All right, welcome to the Interlocking NY Show with Rick and Jimmy. And I have to be careful how I pronounce uh, Rick Antonori's name. Attaboy. Uh, my co-host, only because his dear aunt, uh, she was trying to get my number because she really wanted to reach through the phone and strangle me because I mispronounced Rick Antonori's name. Uh, my godmother. So, yeah, your godmother. So, uh Listen, I'm, I'm not, I'll try not to butcher it again for your aunt. Uh, you know, maybe one, I'll end up saying Aunt Nori, Tinanori. I'll, I'll screw that up again. So hey, I, I barely I, know the name of our segments. Now you're <laughs> asking me to know that you had to spell your name, but thank God it's up on the Zoom so I can say. So this is a shout out to your godmother. I, my co host for this show is Mr. Rick Antonori. Well, thank you very much, Jimmy. It's a privilege to be with you today. <laughs> How you doing, man? Oh, good. It's busy, real busy. But you know, I'm. I mean, we had an opening week, and all I could say is, can you believe the controversy social media has put up between what the Yankees and Mets have done so far in the short amount of time they've played? I mean, they're ready to crucify everybody. It drives I, me insane. You know, it's funny. I got caught up in it. I'm not going to lie to you. I was watching a couple of Yankee games, and. Uh, you, you forget it, you're so happy to be watching baseball right. then you forget it's 106, you know, <laughs> the, it's 106. Okay. I was, I was calling for Gary Sant. you know, he hit a couple of home runs and then he seemed like he was striking out again. I was calling for his head. Meanwhile, he wasn't doing that bad, but one, one big thing I did, uh, I did uh, notice it uh, last night. Um, our show's not live. So last night, the Yankees did go to extra innings, this whole, you know, the runner on second thing, which, I, I actually like, I don't know why I like it. I do. And the weird thing is yet in yesterday's game, um, the Orioles bunted the guy over to third base. And I'll tell you, I think a weird thing. I think that's going to be the new trend. I think nobody bunts anymore, but in extra innings, depending on who's up, of course, if you get, you know, uh, Aaron judge is not going to bunt, but if there's anybody that can bunt, because I think what it does, it does a couple of things. Number one, it puts a lot. You get the runner over to third. Okay. Yep. Obviously, lazy fly ball, game's over, or a ball hit somewhere. You yeah, got to score. The, the other thing is the pressure on the pitcher now. Number one, you got a guy at third. Okay. And listen, 90 feet from is 90 feet, man. Right. And, you know, those sliders in the dirt, uh, especially with Gary Sanchez, if he's still in the game at that point. That's a done deal. Um, I think I think that's going to become a new way to do it. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. If anything, it may add a possibly a slice of good old-fashioned small ball because yes. the games I watched, yeah, I mean, there's, there's listen, the computer says to not bunt. The reason why, you know, all these algorithms and, 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 and all these statistics, they say don't bunt. Like the reason why these teams, yeah. And the reason why these teams shift because the computer after going through a thousand, three, 4,000 games says that put the shift on, it works. And until there's a, an adjustment, which I think you're going to see that a little bit. Um, I, I do. I think I see, I still want to see it now. Last year I started to see it. That hitters were like, you know what? You're going to shift on me. Fine. I'm going, I'm going to just push it to the other side. Yeah, but like Gary Sanchez and Judge and Stanton. Um, but I think it adds um, 
especially if you're the home team and you, you don't give up a run in the top of the 10th, you get to the bottom of the 10th and you, you give up the out. Uh, and the next thing you know, you got a runner at third one out. Now you can walk the next guy and set up for the double play ball. That's another thing um, uh, that people, but also at the same time, I just think it puts a little pressure uh, it screws up the sh- it could screw up the shift yes. because now uh, if you have two shift guys in a row and they walk the one guy, the third baseman can't hug the bag. And if you get a, you know, a speedy guy over there, the l- luck works out that way. Um, you know, uh, and of course, last night's game, the Yankees sent guys to the plate twice, three times, two times they tied the game. Okay. But the third time the guy threw, it was, a, it was, a, you know what? I think I think Boone just wanted to get out of there, and he said, "Send him, no matter what." And finally, the guy made a nice throw, and he was out by you know two feet or a foot. Oh, but a lot can go wrong, even with major leaguers. Catcher has to catch the ball. Um, there's yeah, so much. I mean, yeah, and that's we we open this up by talking about social media and how people are just ripping. It's only it's a marathon. It's only the first week. You know, with the Mets side of things, you know, we had we had the Grom on the mound opening day. Finally, and he goes six innings with only 77 innings pitched. And, you know, I know today the managers don't really do the same type of managing that they did no. years ago. But you know what? told what to do for the long You don't think that was the right move? It's April. It's April. Get out of there. It's, I, and I don't disagree with it. It's just, it's tough. What makes it tough, okay, is this is Jason DeGrom, who he's a stat. I, I don't know if you know this. The, the Mets bullpen in the last three, four years has blown I know. 31 games. Okay, now take out Diaz. How many have they blown? Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really, I can't, I can't even defend Diaz. He hasn't, he hasn't proved himself yet. But, um, but 31, he, the Grom, the Grom's record, I think right now is like 77 and, and 40 or something like that. I mean, I should look it up real quick, but my point is, He'd, have, he'd be over 100, 100 wins. Yeah, but you know what? I, I got to be honest with you. And this is just a fan talking, okay? I honestly think the player, their agents, their foundations, their, their charity organizations, the wife, everybody on down the line, they want to get wins. But if you pitch six and a half, six innings, seven innings, yeah. and you pitch well, right. I don't think, don't get me wrong. DeGrom wants to win the game. Don't, don't, don't right. I'm not saying that, but everybody on team DeGrom is okay. Yeah. Cause at the end of the year, He's if DeGrom is three and 11 with a 1.2 ERA, is anybody really going to say DeGrom stinks? No, no. <laughs> uh, the Mets will probably stink. Yeah. So I think what happens is, you know, and a lot of times with the player, uh, the managers protect, like the catcher might've said, ah, I'm noticing, he looks like he's training a little and, and you don't hear the manager's not going to go on the air and say, well, I talked to the catcher. The catcher said he was shot. Yeah. You, know what? you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. So I actually, that actually happened to me yesterday at the coaching yesterday at the game. Well, there you go. I, I always tell my catchers, listen, I'm going to, every now and then I'm going to ask you, is he done or not? And I'm going to do it in front of him. And you, you better give me the honest answer. Right. You know, so our catcher, Derek was in such into such the game so much. He gets very excited. He's walking out to the mound and I'm not on the mound. I was in the dugout. So I'm yelling out to him. I'm like, I'm like, give me a thumbs up or a thumb down. What do you think? And he's like, what? I'm like, 
and I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm like literally throwing my thumb up or down at him. And he's like, huh? Finally, I just shouted out from the dugout. Is he good or not? <laughs> you know, you know um, so anyway, but you're right. Sometimes, you know, again, it's, it's a marathon. He's going to have at least 29 more starts. Um, I, would I, I might have like, given him, maybe I would have given him an out in the seventh inning. Yeah, here's what a lot I of times they do that. Here's what I don't like, because the entire time Gary, Keith, and Ron during the, during the, the broadcast, we're talking about how baseball managers are going to protect the pitchers because they a lot of them only threw 68 or 84 innings last year or something like that. And I'm like, why? They only threw they like they threw less than 90 innings. Their arms should be as strong as possible. Right. Yeah, you know, again, it's, it's now whole, maybe that's my old school mentality coming out, but yeah. Well, you know, listen, another thing I noticed again, six games in, and I watched some of the Met games, I watched some games on uh, MLB network. Um here's a crazy thing about, I know guys are striking out and they, and they, uh, I can't tell you how many at bats I watched the Yankees this weekend. Um, well, they just lot. get up to the plate with no regard to what's going on in the game. They're hacking away. There's no approach, but, but i tell you one thing. That's a very odd thing is these relief pitchers now, you know, so you, 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 you I'm not saying every relief pitcher, every team, but from what I've seen to the Yankees and the Orioles, especially, um, the, the starter gets out of the game. Okay. And these guys come in, they're throwing hundred miles an hour. Now, the reason why they're throwing, a, they're in a relief a bullpen is because they couldn't maintain that over six innings. Right. They lose control, whatever. So they're coming in, throwing hundred miles an hour. And it seems to me that there's an abundance of these pitchers in from a ball to triple a that can all come in for three outs. For three outs. So you, you get a guy like Sanchez or Judge or any, any starter, right? The sixth, seventh inning comes in, and there's these guys. I don't want to say they're no names, but they haven't been playing that long, throwing 98, 99, 100 miles an hour. You don't have the scouting on them. You're up there. I mean, I, I think I would love to get stats on batting averages in the um, seventh and eighth inning in the last 10 years. It, it just seems some guys tagged you know, bullpen guy comes in, they tag right, him, but, they tag him, but- it, it's, it's what they do is if the guy walks two guys, they put another guy in who you don't really know. And he's throwing a hundred miles an hour. And then he ends up striking out the side. And you know, it, it it's really hard. Uh, it, it, I guess, it, you know, listen, talent is talent, but it seems to me like everybody has a bullpen now that throws a hundred miles an hour. Now the Mets have been very unlucky yeah, I think the Mets is a little bit of an anomaly. There's no way the Met bullpen has been as bad as, it, as I, what the actual bullpen is. I just think in this three-year period, I, they just try. I thought, look, I don't care what I was saying, and I've been looking at social media. You know, they're ripping apart Trevor Bay, but you know what? Four or five months ago, when the Mets signed them, all social media was thrilled that they were getting this guy Trevor May, who looks like a good pitcher. The guy's Guy's a huge individual, by the way. Right. You know, I mean, he had a bad outing. It's, it's, again, right. it's 162. I don't want to, th- th- it's only the first week of the season for the Mets. Well, like so, I said, if you get, I don't care how you acquire a guy, if you're a sixth, seventh, and eighth inning guy, you have one and, job to do. And, yes. and, and you're not getting it done. I yeah. guarantee you there's a guy in AAA for the Mets who can come in and do it. I mean, you, you, you don't let the reason why these guys come around like this, there's, you know, in and out is because it's like, Oh, he can't find the plate. He's walking guys. I'll right. throw in this other guy. You know what? I, 
I back when I was catching and stuff, a lot of people catching, I would catch bullpens during the winter for uh, some guys who were hanging on to the majors or trying to get into the majors. And um, I, a lot of guys threw hard. They did, but they had no movement. Right. You know, they had the, the ball was straight as an arrow. And I don't care who you are, any major league hitter, you can hit it. Right. You, you don't throw a ball with movement. Yeah, now, you know, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying they're just, you know, Nolan Ryan fastball pitchers. No, you know, no, I, I'm saying that these guys have they yeah. have the splitter, they have and they come in and they're like, I don't know, it's almost like these sixth, seventh, and eighth inning bullpen guys are a little bit of a dime a dozen. And it's 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 very difficult. Um every year is a, to me, relievers are year to year. That you right. never it's rare when you get a relief right. pitcher who year after year after year is consistent. Now the Yankees have this guy O'Day with the underarm thing. Yeah, underhand thing. He's got underarms. He smells. He's got a bad underarm. Yeah, the submarine thing. Um, I'd be real curious if the Yankees do make the playoffs, right? And they get into a seven-game series, and by then Boone's going to have his system of how he likes to put the guys in. I think, like I think in the old days when the Yankees would play the Red Sox, Mm -hmm. if that guy had a pitch almost every game. By the third outing, they're going to be on him. It's yeah. going to become familiar. And I, but what I love about it is it's not only uh, – it, it does throw hard, but it's it's a different look. By the time you get your eyes together, he's out of the game already, and he's four batters, four, four strikeouts. It's a different look, and usually uh, guys I throw from down there have, have a lot of movement on the ball. They tend to, they tend to do that. I mean, they sometimes walk guys that gets him in trouble, but yeah, uh, I'd be curious to see how well he does all year. Um, yeah. It, uh, but it, it, listen, it was also listen was about six, seven games into the season. Uh, I absolutely, you know, I got caught a couple of times. I said, "Oh, let me watch an inning or two, pour myself a glass of wine." Next thing you know, it's <laughs> I'm in the tenth inning. <laughs> I'm on my third glass of wine. wine. And I'm thoroughly enjoying oh. it. Well, um, I, mean, I mean, the Mets are coming home to open up finally at the City Field. Uh, that should I, be no, fun with with the with the with the sellout crowd of eight thousand people. Thank you, <laughs> our you know the fantastic. I'm not even, I don't even want to mention his name. He makes me sick. Um, I don't know where you come up with that twenty percent capacity. Okay, um, that'll change. Give it a, give it a little time. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's just it's it. Look, I'm sure the the ball players themselves are excited to have fans in the ballpark anyway, but. Yeah. Well, I, mean, well, I think some of them are not. Some of them don't want fans. Well, no, I'm, not, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. I don't if, think. Uh, I don't think Diaz, Diaz yeah. or Gary Diaz, Sanchez. Gary Sanchez. Well, <laughs> no, we, we should make a list next week. We're going to make a list of players we who who want the pandemic to last for their whole career. <laughs> well, today today's uh, when I opened up today before talking to you, Gleyber Torres, your shortstop, was getting killed. Uh, oh yeah. Defensively. Listen, he made a few boo boos. Um, you know. Uh, the Yankees, though, Yankees have such an odd lineup. You watch, you look at it one way, and you're like, hey, this team can play. Then you look at it another way, and you're like, this team, the batting averages are so low. Right, but it's yeah. but it's a marathon. and But it's even last year, the year before, I don't know. But then again, you know, they, they the Yankees have won a lot of games, so I just me being a dopey fan. It's just the way it's it's just That's the way what I... makes – that's why we have this show, because we could be – you're a little bit more knowledgeable of the game – and yeah. I'm just a guy uh, sitting on his couch yelling at the screen. <laughs> no, but you're more than that. You, you got you. Lo- you love the game a lot. Um, of course, I but, love the softball angle of it. But that's yes. another story. I will say we have we're thrilled coming up after a break uh, with our interview uh, special Absolutely. guest. 
I think it's our best get yes. yet. Uh, if you're, uh, uh, let me see, how can I tease this? If you're over, if you're over, if you're over 45 or over 50, or if you have a dad who's over 50, let's put it that way. There's no doubt about it. As soon as we say his name, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I love this guy. How'd they get him? I will say, just as a little side note, um, we had to go a little old school with the recording. Correct. So, Correct. You know, it's it, we had to do it over the phone. No the Zoom. Phone. It may not be as clear as some parts, but we're excited. It's a great interview. I mean, during the interview, the, the what he talks about and who he played with. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy was making fun of me just on my face because I, you know I don't want to give it away, but I, I was enthralled with the interview. Well, you know what? We could I could tease it with this. He played he played with Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. Yeah, I mean I, that's all I'll say. That. I mean, there you go. I mean, that's about what is that about thirteen hundred home runs between the two of those guys? <laughs> I mean, you know, I was actually saying, my God, did the guy play with Ruth? Yeah. <laughs> but all right. Well, when we come back, we have our favorite segment. Do you remember that guy? Do you remember that guy is sponsored by centeroftheCup.com. Now back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Interlocking NYs with Rick and Jimmy. Well, we're about to do our favorite segment. Do you remember yes. that guy? Yes. And um, I, you know, last week I believe I went first. So this week I'm going to let Jimmy go. I, uh, first of all, I love the fact that I still can't remember the name of this segment. What the hell happened to this guy? What the <laughs> heck happened to him? Who is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> all right. Well, the guy, the, the guy I chose was, he's a Yankee, played shortstop. Um, he's a nine year veteran of Major League Baseball. He played from 71 to 79. Okay. Okay. And there's a Met connection there, which I which I just stumbled upon, which is always funny when we connect them. Okay. Now this guy's name is Jim Mason. He Jim was the Mason? short Jim Mason was the 71 shortstop. 71 to 79. I never heard. I, I do not remember him at all. Okay. There you go. He was a shortstop for the Yankees. Um, starting shortstop in 1974, played a hundred games at short or 93 games, whatever, in 75. Um He's he's famous. His his lifetime batting average is two oh three, and he was part of that era. That someone said there's an era where batting averages were much lower. I don't know, and he's also part of the famous. I don't know how famous it is. You got the Mendoza line, yeah, but there was also something called the Mason Dixon line, okay, which was low batting average for players. But this guy's got a couple of interesting things. Um, he split time with guys like uh, Gene Michael, Ed Brinkman. Um, his, his really only full year with the Yankees was 74. He played in 152 games. Well, let me ask you this question. Was that at Shea Stadium when they played? Because remember, yes, Yankee Stadium would, was closed for a while. 75 would have been at Shea, yes. So, okay. so 74, too. 74, 75. 74 yeah. and 75. He would have played at Shea. Um, he played with the Senators, Texas, then the Yankees, then Toronto, then Texas again. And then Montreal, he's got a couple of interesting things about him uh, uh, that, that I found, you know, buzzing around. Um, uh, the main thing I think is uh, he's got one really odd stat. <laughs> You're going to love this one. He hit four doubles in a game, okay. which not that many people have done. No. A couple of guys way long time ago in the like, 1900s, whatever, hit six. A couple of guys did five, but they're more in double headers. But a pure nine games, four doubles, that has not been done. 
Okay. Now, people have gotten four hits, just not four doubles. Okay. The other guy did it was Johnny Lindell for the Yankees in 1944. Um, he split time in 76 with guys like Fred, Chicken Stanley, stuff like I that. I remember Chicken. But he's known, he's known for this, um, which is very odd. He only had one World Series plate appearance. What? And in that plate appearance, he hit a home run. So okay. he's one for one with it's a home, home run. What World Series? About, against 76 against the Reds. Oh, he, okay. Yes, against the Reds. All right. So, yeah. As a matter of fact. I don't remember that at all. I remember the Yankees getting swept. They were down four to one in the seventh, and he hit a home run in game four. And I, we, as a kid, me and my brother would laugh at how fast he ran around the bases. He didn't hit that many home runs. As a matter of fact, right, well, his whole career, he hit 12. Okay. So, I mean, the fact that he hit one and hit. He's with a guy, I believe his guy's name is Jeff Coombs. No, Jeff Blum did it. Jeff Blum. 2005 with the uh, White Sox. Okay. But there's some interesting things on here. Um, he backed up Burt Campanaris when he was with the Rangers. Okay. He always seemed to be with Billy Martin. Um, it was and either, Billy Martin's guys. Yeah. No, no, not no. no. He ended up with Billy Martin. I don't think Billy Martin liked him because Billy Martin constantly benched him. Um, and there seems to be... Um, uh, he's from Mobile, Alabama. Seems to be an Alabama guy. He's seventy years old now. God bless him. And uh, he's uh, married to someone named Kathy, who passed away about ten years ago. Sorry to hear about that. But the home run against the Reds when he hit the home run, who do you, who do you think the picture pitcher was? And I think he's a semi-famous Met. Wow. Well, the Seaver went to them in seventy-seven, so it wasn't Seaver. No, um, semi semi famous. Definitely not a Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah, definitely. Oh. I don't think you're going to get this. Yeah, the big red machine. I'm not that. I mean, I I know the the major guys. You know, Bench, Rose, Morgan. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say semi famous. He just is a for a Met fan. Easily. I'll give it, uh, no, no, I'll give it to you, Where's Pat it? Zachary. Pat Zach. Oh God, yeah. He came <laughs> in the Tom Seaver trade. Now I'm sick right. of my stomach. <laughs> now this guy, th this guy also. Uh, Jim Mason did something that made the news. I saw there was a New York Times article about him. When he ended up going traded to the Yankees or for the Yankees, he, the Yankees paid a hundred grand for him. You know, there's those deals with trade and money yeah, for cash. Yeah. And ended up being a hundred grand, which is a, was a lot of money. Like back a lot then. Of, yeah. Um, and uh, so he was supposed to replace uh, Gene Michael, who was getting older, but it was all part of that. Gene Michael, um, Horace Clark, Jim Mason, the Yankees had very low batting average. Yeah, um, that uh, position was just about defense back then. Right. And but, they were all, but the Yankees guys were the Yankee guys were like 50 points below. Oh, yeah. Saying, <laughs> but Bucky Dent would have been like Rod Carew compared to these guys. And the other weird thing is I can't find anywhere. Uh his uh, his last game was in 1979. Um, but what I can't find anywhere is what he's doing now. Like I okay. tried to look, I even went on LinkedIn. He might run some business, but I could, I didn't know if it was him, James Mason, Jim Mason. So there's like, he definitely is not a hitting coach, batting coach. He was really, he got out of baseball and he was gone. Now, whether he just started a business family business, I don't know. I can't find anything about him. There also seems to be a little, I don't want to say controversy, but some of the writers got on him for like not having confidence if he made an error in the first inning, he was shot for the game. Uh, and he was quoted as saying later, you know, uh, um, 
oh, if, uh, playing once a week, I couldn't get into it. So I didn't hit that well. I was better when I played every day. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't, it seems to me, and I don't have, I was, listen, I was younger. He might've been a little bit of a head case. Um, and he claims he had no issue with Billy Martin, but I don't, but, I just think uh, yeah, Billy Martin didn't like his batting average. Um, <laughs> But anyway, Jim Mason, most famous for the only Yankee, by the way, the only Yankee to hit a home run in the whole series. Right. Plus okay. the only one at bat, one home run world series. So um, that's Mason. it. A lot of guys are going to remember him though. Jim Mason. Okay. Yankee shortstop. If anybody knows what he's doing now, call in the show. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, my guy, my guy has shorter career than your Jim Mason. And he only played for the Mets for one year. Oh, wow. But it's a huge year in Mets lore. So 86? 86. And he's okay. actually most I should famous. know him. I should know him. He's most famous for the in, in the video with, uh, you know, that the music video they made, Let's Go, Mets Go. But what he backed up, Gary Carter. Ooh, I may not know him then. Wait a minute. Backup. Catch right. Okay. He backed up Gary Carter. What made him so in, huge in that season, 86, was a lot of people forget Gary Carter sprained his thumb really bad in the early summertime. I remember it was actually gone for 14 games. And this this player is what got him most of his playing time during that time. But he actually did get in 49 total games. He had 151 plate appearances for the Mets that year. How long did he play in the bigs? Only three years. I'll tell you why in a second. He batted 265 that year. Hang on. You got to give his name. Now you're going too far. I, I, I am. It's Ed Hearn. Ed Hearn. I do remember yes. him. Now, what makes Ed Hearn even more famous for the Mets? And Wait, it's Ed Hearns or Ed Hearn? No Ed S? Hearn. No S. Okay. Right. I remember him. I do. I what do. makes him even more a big part of the Met picture and a little bit of the Yankee picture is the following season, he was traded to the Kansas City Royals along with Rick Anderson and a guy named Chris uh, Jellick, who I'd never heard of him. No, no, Mauro Gazzo, okay, to the Kansas City Royals for Mr. David Cohn. Aha, part of the Coney trade. And uh, Chris Jellick, who never made it to the Mets. But obviously, we all know about David Cohn. And again, this is one of those trades that is now considered, according to Wikipedia, one of the most lopsided trades in baseball history. Oh, sure. Unfortunately, Mr. Ed Hearn, who did very well for the Mets, was a really good catcher had a serious shoulder injuries nine games into the 87 season with the Royals rehab based the rest of the year, then played another seven games with the 88 Royals, but just kept getting sent down. And I love the word they use in here. He toiled in the toiled. toiled. It's like, I guess a a word just to say, hanging on (laughs) right as the best he can. (laughs) Uh, Double A and triple A with the Royals and Cleveland Indians. Uh, he, he finally finished in 1988, playing 17 games in the Cleveland Indians AAA system, and um, then hung him up. Now, what makes him, I think, a little special. So he, he's so three years in the bigs, but like 10 in the minor leagues. Uh, minor leagues, but he, he did. Okay, good question. He did get drafted in 1983. So it was only, he was only three years in the minors, made it to the Mets in 86. Okay. And then, so his baseball career was real short. Right. What makes him, what he's done after his baseball career, I okay, found what's, fascinating. What's he because up he had a major battle with cancer in 1993. Oh. 
wound up beating it. Although he, he it did say here he almost committed suicide because he was, oh. he was just depressed and then started here. But he he beat it. Um, and is, is forced to take a lot of medication. However, he's become a motivational speaker. And in 2001, Ed Hearn was awarded the prestigious certified speaking profession designation from the National Speakers Association. He is the first and only professional athlete to receive this designation. Oh, and only wow. 8% of speakers throughout the world have received this distinguished honor. Today, he basically does a lot of charity work. The biggest one is the bottom of the ninth foundation uh, where he's a mentor program for children. Where's and he, he from? He is from the Kansas, uh, Shawnee, Kansas. He lives there with his wife and his son, Cody. And he, uh, so he doesn't, he's doing motivational stuff, but he's not a hitting instructor. No, no, he, he left baseball and that was it. Well, it sounds like, like, sounds to me, because in order to become, especially with a guy like Gary Carter, in order to become a backup catcher, you, you gotta, you gotta have something. Cause they don't, they, that, that's a big position, he, I think. Usually. And so his shoulder, he must've just blew out his shoulder. Blew, and uh, it, yeah. It's, and probably he, today they could have done something, but back then. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's tough. I mean, you catchers, you know, I think a you good, yeah, I call it a good defensive catcher can have a 20 year career. Sure. A lot of it as a backup because, you know, they're not looked upon to be the hitting in, in the lineup. They look to back up and, you know, it, it's, they're in for emergencies and, and, you know, they call wow. good games, they handle a pitching staff, you know, you, a, good, a good catcher, you know, can, can last right. 20 years. That's what makes them so uh, valuable. Right. Well, I tell you, this segment was very different in that um, we picked two guys that uh, uh, I think Jim Mason played a little longer. Yeah. Although I don't know why. I mean, he batted every year. He, I mean, he was a two or three. I don't really know why he well, stuck I think that, that long. That, that, Sounds like I, he wasn't that good defensively either, but for some reason he stuck. But your guy was, uh, sounds like he had it going on. And then, and then he hurt yeah. his shoulder and, and that, that was, was it. it. Um. But I think fans will remember him, and especially with Gary. You know, if he was, you know, it's not like you were talking about Brad Golden or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll have to do something on him one day. But um, the uh, so wow, yeah. Well, again, again, part of the fun of this segment is not everybody becomes, you know, thirty. I mean, you know, like probably Ed Hearn was probably a better hitter than Steve Balboni, and Steve Balboni made a living in baseball for 25, 30 years. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> That's the way it goes on this segment. But I don't know what happened to Jim Mason. I Googled. I tried everything. I got nothing. Sometimes well, somebody knows, um, you know, I'd love to have him on. Cause it sounded like he had a little bit of a, a little bit of an attitude. I don't think he goes to the Yankee old timers games. I've never seen think, him. I have to find that out from a buddy of mine. I should check right. that anyway. All right. Excellent segment. When we return, we're going to have our interview, our special guest interview. Okay. You're listening to Interlocking NYs with Rick and Jimmy on 365 Sportscast Network every Sunday at 8 p.m. All right, welcome back. This is uh, we got a great guest coming on right now. Now, I grew up a Yankee fan, so although half of my family were Met fans, especially the ones that grew up in Queens, like my mom and dad did, um, but this guy is one of the guys that uh, everybody loved. Imitate him playing wiffle ball, little league stuff like that. I'd like to welcome to the Interlocking and Watch Show, Mr. Felix Mion. Hey, how you doing, man? Oh, everything is fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me in your program. I 
right. Well, a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Number one, how you doing? How's your health? What are you up to now? Well, I'm doing very good. I'm living here in, in Florida. Uh, I haven't been in Puerto Rico in a while, but I feel good. My wife is feeling good. Everybody is good in my family. Sounds good. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Yep. A couple of questions I noticed. We, what we do is we, we Google we Google everybody and we, we, we look at different things. And two things uh, stuck out at me that probably have nothing to do with, with uh, well, it does have a lot to do with something. Twice you played 162 games. So yes. you remember what that was like? You played every day. I tell you, I love the game. And I I, I have really some 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 papers that you know you can give a chance to another guy to come to play for you because he might do better than you and then you go to the bench and i didn't want to go to the bench <laughs> see that's awesome that. i think a lot of guys should be uh should be that way today i know some guys on the Yankees should uh, not go to the bench um, but you know i want to talk for you now you were with the Braves in uh for uh, six seven years what was it like to actually, you guys got, you lost to the Mets in the playoffs uh, in 69, and you guys had a really good team in 69, and uh, what was that like? Well, you're right, you know, we also had a very good team in 69, but the Mets had the best pitching. Right. You know, pitching, sometimes it's better to have a better pitching than uh, defense or offense, you know, and I, I think they play good. They they, they, they they were good. That year, they were very good. You know, Felix... Yeah, uh, Jimmy. I was just saying, now, when you ended up on the Mets, uh, were you excited about that, or were you a little nervous going from one team to the other? Tell me what... What were your feelings about coming to the Big Apple? Uh, I was very excited because... Coming to New York, it was like coming home. Because so many Latinos in, in New York, and you know, I knew I was well liked in New York, and I was very happy. I told my wife, we're going to New York, and she was very excited too. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. One thing to me you're, you're famous for is, uh, <laughs> is the way your batting stance, the way you choked up on the bat. Did you always do that, or is that something that you got um, you know, as you worked your way up the system that you changed to, or you, did you always have that style? Well, I, wait, before, I, I, I never did. I I had a manager in uh, Yankee Man North West League, <coughs> Class A, that uh, he took me every afternoon and teach me how to hit that way because he said, you can hit the ball good, <coughs> you can run, and I think this would be good for you. And it worked out because... Uh, at the time it took me, I was hitting about 220, you know, and when I ended up hitting 325, and I think that was good, because from that, from that on, I that I kept hitting the way I was hitting in the Yakima the first year. Felix, what's... Were you aware how many kids imitated you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> A lot of people, I know I did, but Felix, what size bat did you swing to choke up that much? Oh. You know, in the when it's early in the in the season, I use a thirty-six ounces bag. Thirty-six ounces. I just 
Yeah, but I tried just one to choke up. You know, I choke, I hit the ball before I was pitched. But about July and August, I changed to 33 ounces because it was light and I, I, I could swing better. Okay. All right. Now, you came over and I, you were really the MVP for the Mets in 1973. You batted over 290. You played 162 games. You actually did receive league MVP votes that year. Um, you know, unfortunately, you fell short to the Oakland A's, which, you know, to this day, I still think, I, you know, it could have went a different way. Was it a big controversy on that 73 team World Series of, of having Tom Seaver pitch game six versus George Stone? Or was that just something that the media uh, made a big deal of? You know, I think the media did a big deal, but I understand uh, Yogi at that time because if uh, Tom Seaver comes and tells me he wants to pitch a day, you could tell him no. He was the best pitcher in the in the in the, in the National League, and I, I think you know when he came and told Yogi that he wanted to pitch a game, everybody was happy. I know Georgie Stone was a. We had a great year, yeah. But you know, it wasn't like uh, Tom Seaver. Well, it's very difficult to be another Tom Seaver. <laughs> what um? Now you know you played another till about 1977 when you were injured against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then you um went to Japan, correct? Yes, I went to Japan and played three years in Japan. Okay. Now you, I read somewhere that you had a um. Like you developed an organization for kids to develop for little leagues in the New York area. Was that true? That's right. The uh, president name is uh, Rodriguez. Happy last name is Rodriguez. He was a great guy, and he has an organization over there. Okay. What do you want to ask him, Jimmy? To me, uh, one of the more famous Yankees that I'd grown up as a kid. was uh, was Ed Figueroa? Do you, uh, you, you your fellow uh, Puerto Ricanites? Uh, you got you ever you ever see Ed Figueroa or talk to him oh. or anything like that? Oh yeah, man! I I I, I follow Ed and I, we play golf together. He's a great guy. He's my brother. Oh, that's cool. I ended up at the bar. We were waiting to get in a cab to go to the airport, and there's Yankee stuff all over the place. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. This is got to be Ed Figueroa's barn at the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, so I asked the bartender, I was like, hey, listen, I think Ed Figueroa owned this. He's like, yeah, I'm like, what? He goes, he just left a half hour ago. You missed him. I'm like, ah, oh, I would have loved to chat with him. But uh, yeah, I was a big Ed Figueroa fan. So I saw that. Yeah. He got great guy. Same, same, same. So, uh, uh, the other thing, um, I obviously, I, I know the big controversy with you and uh, Mr. Hodge. You guys got into a little fisting house there. Yeah. Did you ever speak to him afterwards or anything? No, I have. One time he came and I was uh, the general manager in Puerto Rico. Uh, and he called me and he wanted to manage. But at that time he was managing uh, Class A. And you know, it's tough for a person in Puerto Rico to bring a Class A manager to the winter league because. I know if we start good, it's great, but if you start bad, they fire him or they fire me, you know. And I say, I, I can't take you, eh? Because 
and that's the reason you, you don't have the experience to manage in a, in a winter day. Wow, I, I love the fact that you got to fight with a minute cold job asking for a job. That's how baseball works, I guess. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not, uh, we don't talk about enemies. We just play for who play for one team, play for the other one. But after the game, you know, we, people get together. Right. You you remember that play? Is that something you think about, or is it just uh, something that happened and you're ready to go? No, no, no. I always, I always uh, remember because I wasn't playing. Joe Torre uh, in the eighteen and he called me and he said, "Come on, I'm pitching, I'm pitching, and I, I think I hit a ground ball or something." After a, a next inning, I went to second base, and Doc Green went to third base, and I forgot that. And I always try to to kill people in second base. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I won. And there was a ground ball to 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 the plane throw a ground ball. Then they threw it. They threw it to me. I made a force out, and I stayed out the way. But he was running, but he didn't want to the uh, the line. He he went right to me, and that's when he hit me in the back because I wasn't looking at him. Oh, wow. Wow, that, that was a lot of crazy. He, he would have been kicked out of the game today. Yes, yes. Yeah, today he would have been kicked that's out. Reason, that's the reason I think, is that's a rule that you can you can slide because what happened to me and, and then I, you can slide in front of the, of the uh, freeway. That probably started like a neighborhood play more often. Yeah. So. How was it playing in Japan? Oh, I love it, man. Uh, the people treat treat everybody good. You have to practice a lot and work hard, but you know, it's it's nice. It's really good. People yeah. treat you very good. Now back then was the uh, I, I'm assuming like was was the money pretty good? Did they set you up, fly you over, make sure you had housing? Something your wife wanted to do at the time, or maybe you would take a lot of help. Uh, but did they, they make it really easy for you to transition? Oh, it wasn't easy, but you know, I wanted to go because I played in exhibition games in Japan before. And I wanted to, to you know, try. And when they called me, and Cliff Boyer was uh, the one who recommended me. And, and I went over there, and I had a good contract. And I stayed there for three years. Nice. Do you have anything to do with baseball nowadays? Huh? Do you have anything to do with baseball nowadays? Or are you just, are you just easing into retirement? I don't. I would love to, but you know, it's tough because baseball now is different than what we play. Yeah. How long did you get there? Have you been to City Field or you been to move like that? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. I go every year. I, I went to City more often than what I've been in, in City Field, but I always happy and glad to go to, uh, to New York and see the old friends. Right. You must get, I mean, if any, I know that you're still well liked by the fans. They must go crazy when you see 
Yeah, you know, it's, and it's nice. I love that because I love the fans too. And when they come and ask you for all of that, oh, say hi to you. You know, I feel, I feel good because I know they still remember me. Right. Yeah, I would, I mean. I realize you played, you played with Hank Aaron for four or five years, right? Yes, I was his roommate. Oh man, what was that like? Hey, oh man, that's it's a great way. God rest his soul. The great treat me like like man like that because one thing when I went to uh, a little story, when I went to uh to Atlanta, uh he well, I was I wasn't playing a race when I had a good year and they took me up. And uh, the day that I came to uh, to Atlanta, I cast me if I, when I was gonna stay. And, you know, I said, I don't know, because I don't know anything. And he told me, well, you can stay in my apartment with me, okay. I said, okay, great, thank you. I went the next morning, when I, I woke up to go at breakfast, he said, well, where are you gonna go? I said, Hank, I don't know anything here. And I got to take a cab. And then he told me, right here, he gave me an address where I had a good restaurant. And after that, I said, I want to me, Call the cab, he said, no, no. Now, here's the key of my black, my blue and white Camaro, and you can use it for the rest of the season. It, you know, it's, it was great, it was great. It was a true guy, man. And what happened is, when I uh, went to the, uh, on the road, we told Donald Davidson, our dinner, dinner, uh, the guy, you know, no. The, the, the guy who travel secretary, you know, he, he called Donna. Donna, from now on, you put Felix rooming with me. I, I, I tell you, man, I, the guy, I respect the guy. And when somebody asked me, how was Frank? I said, the best guy I've ever met. Wow. That's fantastic. I, I would have never expected that story. Me and my baseball buddies think the way that Hank Aaron is actually an underrated player now. It seems that everybody talks about these other great players, and Hank Aaron gets lost in the shuffle. And meanwhile, Hank Aaron was great for 24 years, besides hitting the home runs, but he was a good hitter, a good fielder, he was a nice guy. Um, yes. It seems like you know, they talk about these other clowns that were loudmouths and stuff, but. Uh, in my opinion, he's in the top three baseball players of all time. I think he's a very underrated uh, baseball player. To me, he wasn't was the best, he was the second because he was a great guy. I know, you know, we had a very good ball players in our era, but he is and uh, he was the best player for me. You know, I just thought, Jenny, I just thought of something. Felix Young played with Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. Because the seventh yeah, Mets, Mays was on the seventh of the Mets. Those last years. I was, I do, you know, I was blessed because God put me in this earth to, to, to be blessed. And uh, playing with Hank was great. Playing with Willie, Young was called me Chico. He, he was great too. Too bad that uh, Willie, it was, you know, the last few years of his career, but he was a very, very good person and, and a better ball player. Yeah, I know. He was just, 
you know, Father God steps in, he just doesn't declare, uh, you know, uh, from the 50s and 60s. Right. Because that's interesting. You played the paint count. No, I, I, I put it with a lot of Hall of Famers. But with Peter Necro, I, I played with uh, Necro okay. and uh, Tom Seaver. I, I, I play with a lot of them, I tell you. And, and it's and I've never been to Cooperstown when they do the Hall of Fame stuff. You ever been there for that? I, no, I have, I've been in Cooperstown, but I've never been in an uh, occasion like that. Uh, we got to get you there. Yeah, well, your Hall of Fame in my book. Yeah, well, 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 yeah, very nice. How long have you been living there? I'm living in here, but, well, in Kissimmee, I've been living there about six years, but I wasn't, you know, in, in Florida for the year. Well, since I retired, I came to, to Florida, and I've been living in Florida. Well, that is awesome. Yeah, Felix, I cannot thank you enough. You know, this has been incredible. I, I forgot. It's amazing. I just realized he played with Mays, Aaron, Seaver, Negro. Yeah. Ah, I play with a lot of, I'm against a lot of them, like Steve Carlton, Bill Morgan. Pete Rose, Johnny Bench. Pete Rose, Gibson. Nick Rose, I don't know who I Pete Rose is telling me. All of them. I sure don't know. Well. Who is the toughest picture you ever faced? The toughest picture I ever faced before I came to the Mets was Tom Seaver. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a relief then. <laughs> you know, to me, I respect Tom Seaver, the way he pitched. And when I came to New York, I knew why I respect him. Because he was great. Right. That is excellent. Well, right. I learned a lot about Felix Meow today. I, I love the fact that he played 162 games twice. And one year, you, you played 153 games. That, that's... That's unbelievable. I guess we, you know, play in the infield every day like that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love to play on the field. I love to play baseball. You're listening to Interlocking NYs with Rick and Jimmy on 365 Sportscast Network every Sunday at 8 p.m. Yep. Now, I played baseball and, you know, Little League and all that stuff. And, of course, I was a prolific uh, softball player, as many of my fans and, yeah, friends, friends and family know. Beer league. I bet it's seven oh six in a movie, so that counts. No, but I want to ask you. I've been noticing like um, there's been a huge trend uh, in baseball where people aren't they're not stealing. Um, and you you would mention to me that you when you're coaching you you always have a stopwatch on you. Yep. Explain to me when you're coaching first base the the, 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 the whole stopwatch thing and the timing of the pitcher to the catcher and stuff like that. Sure. So when you're at first base. You know, you're you got your runner. Obviously, uh, there plays going on. The, the the manager is giving signals, or you know, and he, about what the runner if he's got the green light, if he wants them to steal, if we're going to hit and run. But as the stop, what the stopwatch comes to play is, as a coach, you need a runner on first, and then your the pitcher is in the set, not the windup. He's in the set. As soon the instance his front foot lifts, I hit the clicker. And then as when he throws the ball, as soon as it's the catcher's mitt, hit the clicker again. Now, most good pitchers, if they have a slide step, you know, or they're quick enough from the mound to home, usually they're under, you know, 
All right, a real good. So from 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 the from the step Mount. towards the plate to the catcher to the catcher's glove is how many seconds? Average is one point two. Wow. You know, now major league level. Major league level is usually under one second, especially wow. if you use the slide. So how long is it? So how long is it from once it hits the catcher's glove to when he guns it down to second base? All right, that's cool. That's universally called the pop time. That's one of the that's one of the things that as a coach or a scout you're looking at what a catcher can do. It's called his pop time, meaning as soon as that ball is his glove, he's popping, you know, out of the, I call it out of the chute, and he's throwing a second base. Like Yadier Molina is notorious. He's around, he averages between 1.75 and 1.8, which so is 1.75 seconds from hitting the glove to down to the second base. Yeah, that's exceptional. You know, a, a good major league catcher is always in the one nines or less. Right. So below two. Five, you got to be one. below. You got to be below two. That's what you catchers are. Wow. If you have now at the college level, if I have a combination of um, a pitcher who's around 1.2 and a catcher who's around 1.95, maybe right around two, we still have a decent shot of getting a run of trying to steal. So it's almost like three. Am I getting the numbers right? Yeah. About 3.0, 3.1 3, 3. is really, like, if you, so that runner, that runner has to go 90 feet in three seconds. Am yes. I getting this right? Yep. Wow. So, so it's like a 30 yard. Like, that makes sense. 30 yard dash. 30. He's taking a lead. You know, he's, a good lead is usually three steps off the bag. That's a okay. solid lead. So okay. it's like really about 80, about 80, 82, I'd say six I say about eight, okay, so about two to eighty-four feet, you know, somewhere around there. Okay, so for argument's sake, we'll say we'll say eighty-four. So he's got to go eighty-four feet in about three point one seconds. Yeah, three point one or less. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's moving. So with all these things now in the major leagues is all this stuff really, really timed out. Oh yeah, I mean, if you watch if you watch games today, you'll see the first base the first base coach. As soon as one of the top runners gets on base, he'll lean over and talk to the runner about the pitcher's time. Home to right. you know the amount of home. Now a curveball or a fastball also that that gives you a little That's, love. Ah, right? I'm glad you brought that up because as a catching coach as well, because I'm the hitting coach and catching coach, one of the things I teach my catchers is they need to be careful about their secondary position. All right, their primary position is when no one's on base. They're just relaxing right. behind the behind the plate. Yeah, if the guy bunts, they're gonna pounce on it, but you know they're relaxing behind the plate catching. They have a secondary position is when there's a guy on first or there's someone on base and they need to be up a little bit, you know, to, to move a little faster. Right. Now, sometimes, and now as a coach, I'm big and I, I look, you know, if one of these are catching and, and hitting instruction and I look for, I look for signs of things that a player is giving away. All right. I'll a catcher, for instance, sometimes a catcher when he's calling off speed stuff, like a changeup. Or a curve. He, he won't do that when there's a runner on base. No, he, they still, they, this, this is a bad habit they have. Catchers get into this bad habit. You know, they have to call a changeup or a curveball because the hitter's got the, the timing of the fastball. You know, right. the, the successful hitting is based on um, timing and balance. Right. Okay. Uh, power is defined by speed. Speed plus balance equals power. Um, right. But for the, if the pitcher and catcher can throw the hitter's timing off, all right. What I mean by that is if you see if you see a guy throw a 95 mile an hour fastball and Aaron Judge fouls it off straight back to the screen. 
Right. Like you just that, missed it. that means he just missed it, which if no one knows the definition, the difference between a home run and a foul ball straight back is less than an eighth of an inch on the bat. It's unbelievable. Okay. No, people don't look so, at that. They're talking about seconds and millimeters. Right. Here. So incredible. now a catcher saying to himself, well, he's, he's on the fastball. I got to do something else. You know, if he, depending on the, where we are in the game, late in the game, early in the game, you know, he might want to come up in the hitter's kitchen, like throw a up and in fastball. You know, try to get the the batter off his the eyes off, or try to get his balance off. Most of the time, though, what they wind up doing is calling for an off speed pitch. You know, the pitcher pitchers today have usually three or four different pitches, so right. he might call a changeup or a curveball. Curveball changeups going to be somewhere between seven and twelve miles an hour slower than the fastball with a good pitcher. Well, sometimes a catcher will change his secondary position. And he actually squats higher up so he could get out of the chute quicker. Runners pick up on that real quick. You know, they, they'll look right. for that. Okay. So they'll, they're they looking at the catcher. They see him up on his haunches a little bit more. They know they have a better chance to steal. Another thing that happens is pitchers sometimes don't realize it. And this happened in the playoffs two years ago with Tyler Glasgow with the Tampa Bay Rays All right, against Houston. Yes, I know the controversy with the garbage cans, but – in this particular game, in the playoff game, Tyler Glasgow was given away when he was throwing a fastball versus when he was throwing a curveball by where he held his glove in front of him. Either it was a fastball, right. it was above his letters. It was a curveball, it was below his letters, or vice versa, something like that. Now, now let, let me ask you this. I, I, you're coaching first base in the game. Yeah. And obviously, that's why I always, I always get amazed by coaches. It looks like they're doing nothing. Meanwhile, they're, they're watching everything. Yeah. What um, – you, you, in terms of a coach picking up a picking up a sign or picking up a trend that the pitcher's doing, what what are you looking for? First thing I always look for, because uh, I, like I said I caught for many years, and I one of the things I always looked to my own pitchers was to see if they were tipping pitchers. One of the one of the things a lot of pitchers do is they like to have that index finger out of the glove. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they got they got the hand in the glove, and the index finger is outside the glove. Okay. Okay. When they go to throw an off speed pitch, like a curveball or like, especially a curveball, they tend to bend their index finger more than they do their fastball. Now, this might only be a little bit, but now, this is the index finger on the glove. Yeah. Because it's, Why would they... cause it's the index finger is sitting outside of the glove. Okay. Okay. So if you see him bent a little bit more and, and he, you know, he keeps throwing curveballs, you know, that's one of his tells. Oh, wow. Now, another one is another one is a lot of pitchers when they go to grip their changeup, they don't realize this. All right. When they go to grip their changeup versus their fastball, the glove, they're expanding the glove further because they're trying to dig in their hand in to get around the ball more. Oh, that's great. I didn't, I didn't realize that. A lot of pitchers nowadays are taught to automatically hold the ball as a changeup and then change it in their glove. To what they want fastball curveball slider okay. sinker whatever right. so you avoid you avoid that the gloves right. open and start. That's, so that's one of the things but one of the most one of the biggest tells is usually um the index finger where they hold the glove a lot of times thank you for listening to interlocking and wise with rick and jimmy every sunday at 8 p.m on 365 sportscast.com spotify itunes and google podcast